church, as you can tell, Pastor Troy is not here. So we're going to have some fun. You know what they say when the pastor's away. The wife gets to tell all the juicy stories, right? But I am so excited to be here. Can I just get like some noise really quick? Like, are y'all excited to be here today? I love Sunday mornings. I really do. So thank you guys so much for being here. If this is your first time here, wow, I am so excited. You picked a great Sunday to be here. I mean, any Sunday is awesome, but I am so thrilled and so excited that you would be here with us today. We, we love to get connected with people that come. And so if this is your first time, and maybe you've just been coming for a few weeks, we would love to get connected with you. As you saw on the video, there's a few different ways that you can do that. You should have gotten a connection card when you came in, so you can fill that out right there in your seat, and you can actually take it to the, um, there's a welcome table out in the hallway that you can take that connection card to, and we would love just to give you a gift, just as a simple way to say thank you for being with us here this morning. Or digitally, you can fill it out on um, our app, which is my favorite way to do things um, with Victory, or through our website at tnvictory.com. Same way that you can give. Y'all, Victory is such a generous church. I'm so proud, seriously so proud to be part of such a generous church. We're able to do so much in the community, so much abroad, and that's because of your faithfulness in giving. So thank you for doing that. And you can give in those same three ways. You can actually give right here. You can drop off a cash or check um, in the offering bucket in the back as you leave, or you can go through um, our website at teenvictory.com or through our app, which is my favorite way to give. You guys, next Sunday, we have some exciting things happening. Trunk or treat is happening right here after service. I cannot wait. We did this a few years ago, and the creativity that came out, wow. I'm talking like, no, like y'all didn't hold anything back. So I'm super excited to see all the creativity that is going to happen at Trunk or Treat next Sunday right after service. Um, if you want to help, if you are like, I didn't even know that. So let us know. You can actually go to our website and sign up if you want to volunteer to help. Or if you want to do a trunk, you can totally do that. Um, we actually are going to provide the candy for you, so you don't have to worry about that. We'll provide the candy for you. You just be creative, get creative, do your trunk, and it's going to be so much fun. Make sure you're inviting your friends and family, especially people with kids or maybe people don't have a church home. That's a great way to invite them to get to come out and have some fun. And today, after service, is something really exciting, growth track. You guys, growth track is our way that you can get to know more about us and we can get to know more about you. It's just finding out. It's like going on your first date, okay? So this is like the, this is the appetizer round right here. Growth track is how you go deeper and you get to know a little bit more about us, get to get connected, get to find out how, like how Victory Church even came to be and see if this is going to be your home. And I hope it is. Um, but we're so, so excited to have you here. Um, Pastor Troy is actually um, preaching this morning at some dear friends of ours church up in Waverly, Tennessee, Pastor Cody and Samantha Newcomb. We've been friends with them for years, and so he got the opportunity to go and speak the word to them. So we're so excited he's getting to do that. So you get to deal with me today. Amen. <laughs> We're going to be in Acts. We're going to continue right along. And I was actually so excited not to be pre preaching on Mother's Day. It's actually taken a little bit of the pressure off because when I preach on Mother's Day, I get to say whatever I want. Like, there's really no topic. I try to make it super broad. But since we're on, in this series in Acts, I was like, I'm taking a chapter and we're going to break it down. And it has been so fun to dive into the word. So last week, if you heard the message, Pastor Troy talked about how we should be protecting our faith that making sure that we are surrounding ourselves with people who are faith builders and not faith killers. You guys, if you happen to miss a Sunday, that's okay. You can catch up um, on either through podcasts or on our YouTube channel. And I share the mess out of that thing too. If, if a word speaks to you, please make sure you're sharing it because it's gonna bless somebody else. So we're moving right along, following up in Acts, in Acts chapter 15. But first, we're gonna pray. Will y'all pray with me? 
Father, we love you so much, and I am so honored to be able to bring your word today, God, and I pray that you will go before me, Lord. I'm just a mouthpiece, Father, so whatever you wanna say through me today, God, I pray that you will do that and you will fall on fertile soil, Lord, that you have already prepared the hearts that are in this room today, God. I bind the enemy, I bind Satan, anything that he would do in this place to distract and deflect of what you want to do, God. I pray that you will have your way in Jesus' name. And everybody said aloud. Amen. Amen. Okay, so you guys, we're gonna be catching up with Paul and Barnabas, okay? They, um, they are coming off of a huge preaching crusade. I mean, they are like excited. You know, when you come home from like a, like, a, like I, I relate this like youth camp. You know, when you come home from youth camp as a teenager, you come home from a conference and you are just like fired up. I mean, you're just excited. You can't wait to share with everybody. You can't wait to tell what's going on. It's like, you have no idea. Oh my gosh, let me tell you all the things. And then you come home and there's like, 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 like tragedy has struck your home, like conflict, like the kids are fighting, like, like, like just stuff is going, you're like, I think I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go, I need to go back to where I just came from because it's terrible. That's what happened with Paul and Barnabas. They were excited and then they come home to this conflict that's happening. So if you're taking notes, the title of my message today is Fight Club. How to have healthy conflict. What's the first rule of Fight Club? Don't talk about it. We're not gonna talk about Fight Club. However, we're breaking that rule today. We are gonna talk the thing to death today. We're gonna rewrite the rules of Fight Club. Okay, are y'all ready? Okay, so we're gonna start at Acts 15, verse one. While Paul and Barnabas were at Antioch of Syria, some men from Judea arrived and began to teach the believers, unless you are circumcised as required by the law of Moses, you cannot be saved. Okay, so this is the conflict, this is the thing. Paul and Barnabas are preaching, believe in Jesus, that's all you have to do, there's no more law to keep. Well, these dudes come rocking up in and saying, um, actually, you do. You have, to, you have to still abide by the Mosaic law. So this gets Paul and Barnabas upset. Okay, they're upset. So rule number one in Fight Club, don't be a petty betty, okay? You ever heard of Debbie Downer? It's just that person who is like always <laughs> has something negative to say, just brings you down. Like, I can't wait to ride that roller coaster. It's gonna be so fun. And they're like, actually, did you know that the statistics of you dying on that roller coaster are much higher than you even dying in a plane crash? And you're like, thanks, Debbie Downer. Appreciate it. Can you move on somewhere else, please, so I can enjoy my day? Don't be a petty Betty. Petty Betty. Sorry if your name's Betty. I love you anyway. We hope victory is your home. Um, but Petty Betty is that person who is just, is always something, right? They're gonna nitpick, they're gonna be petty. It's always something. Don't be a Petty Betty. Does anybody ever fight over petty stuff? Be honest. Anybody fight over stupid stuff? Listen, if you're married or if you're in a relationship, raise your hand. Because you fight about stupid stuff. If you have a sibling, if you have a sibling, raise your hand. You fight about, we all do it. We all fight about stupid stuff. If we're human, right, we're gonna fight about petty stuff. Petty fights are usually over preferences, right? Toilet paper, over, under. Music's too loud, music's too soft. You know, no one said hi to me. Well, did you say hi to them? No? Oh, okay. <laughs> now, I have to admit, okay, I'll stand right here before you, my people, before the Lord. I am a recovering petty Betty, okay? Having kids has cured me of being a petty Betty, okay? Because they have shown me most things are not worth fighting over. Parents, I'm gonna say two words and see if you feel me. Elevator buttons. Jesus, take the wheel. 
Okay, we're on vacation. We just got back from vacation a couple weeks ago. We're on the 19th floor, Panama City, on this condo. We gotta go up and down the elevator a lot. And we have two children who love to push the buttons a lot. And they fight over who gets to push the buttons. Well, you got to push the outside button, so I get to do the inside button. Well, you got to do it last time. I'm gonna lay hands on him suddenly in the name of Jesus. But you guys, that's petty, right? I had a friend of mine say, um, say my kids had gotten into a fight over, over a, um, an invisible trophy. It wasn't even real. And they're fighting. Who gets the invisible trophy? Petty. It's petty. But a good, a good rule of thumb is if it's not going to affect you, like ask yourself this. If it's not going to affect you, ask yourself, is it going to matter in six hours? Is it going to matter in six days, six weeks, six months? The further out you get and it doesn't matter, chances are you being petty, okay? So fighting over how a person is saved, however, is not petty. That is something worth fighting for. And that's what was at stake in Acts 15 with Paul and Barnabas and they have these guys coming up. It wasn't a preference. It's not the toilet paper over under. This is not music volume. What's at stake is how do you get to heaven? This was a big deal, okay? So this is not petty. Rule number two of Fight Club, expect it. Expect it. Have you ever come across newlyweds and they're just like, oh, walking around, all the butterflies and the hearts are swirling around their head. And then you see them the next day and they're, I mean, just devastated. <laughs> what happened? We got into a fight. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're just, their world is rocked. They're thinking like, I thought we were just gonna pray together every night and agree on all of our shows and have just so much fun together. Right? They didn't ex expect it. They didn't expect it. I remember our first year of marriage, um, one, one, um, one season in particular, this is pre-kids, we were in our apartment. Y'all have no idea what the fight about, what was about. I'm sure it was petty. But I remember there was a not nice word said and a, and a pin thrown across the room. That's all I'm gonna say. I don't, I don't remember what it was about, but we weren't expecting, we weren't expecting it. So we have to expect, right? We have to expect conflict. You have to expect conflict. People, people sometimes walk into church and thinking that it's gonna be like Disney World. And that everybody's going to be so perfect because they love Jesus. And it's going to be so great. I'm telling you what, people in Disney World are ruthless. Those mamas be walking around those strollers as weapons. I have the scars to prove it. Okay, Disney World is not all it's cracked up to be. But people treat church like that too. You guys, even in church, we have to expect conflict. Why? Because we're people. The church is full of people. We forget that church is for sinners. And just because we love Jesus doesn't mean I don't get it wrong sometimes, right? It baffles me how quickly people can get offended and leave, okay? I wonder what would, what would happen if we treated church like we treat our job. We don't go into our job expecting to get along with every single person, every single day, 24-7, right? We, we go into a job expecting conflict. Like at some point, somebody's not gonna get along with somebody. There's gonna be a disagreement. There's gonna be an argument. So church is no different. We're all full of people. And chances are, you go to church with more people than you work with. So the chances of a conflict are even greater. We have to expect it. And listen, even spiritual people disagree. That's okay. I don't get mad. I just grieve in my spirit. No. We get mad, right? It's okay. It's okay to have conflict. It's okay 
expect it, okay? So here's what's happening in Acts 15. That some of the Jews are upset at what's being preached, that all you have to do is believe in Jesus. That's it, okay? We know that message because we've been hearing that message for generations, right? Like that's what we do. It's the free gift of salvation. You accept it, you believe it, you're saved, you're a Christian, right? But here's the thing. We have to understand what it meant to be a Jew pre-Jesus to understand why they were upset. There was a lot of tradition and rules that went into it. The idea that a Gentile without a Jewish tradition, a Jewish background, without law-keeping, without any ritual of circumcision, without doing anything with the old covenant, can just believe in Jesus and be accepted into the church and into heaven, that was really difficult for the Jews, okay? These people had kept so many rules and rigid regulations their whole lives. They've gone through all the necessary channels to be acquainted with the one true God of Israel. Now, somebody comes in and is like, oh, I believe in Jesus. I'm just like you. And they're like, I don't think so. Have you had to live the way I've had to live and follow all the rules and all the rituals and everything? It's like somebody coming into a movie right, coming into the, the last scene of the movie and they see the happy ending and they're like, oh my gosh, that was so good, I get it. Like, I was there. And you're like, no, you weren't. You didn't see the battle scene. You didn't see the conflict. You don't even know anything about the characters. You don't know. I, I relate to, like, being up before I became a parent, right? Like, I, I had this whole plan, you know, like how my, I was gonna raise my kids and they were gonna be so well-behaved and they were never gonna act like that in public and, I, I, I nannied and babysat a lot, like since I was 15. So I, even more so, I was like, I got this, no problem. Because I had, I had babysat so much throughout my life. And so pre-kids, I was like, oh my, like if there was like misbehavior going on somewhere in public, I was like, oh my gosh, where is that child's mother? <laughs> now, if I see that happening, I'm like, oh my gosh, where is that child's mother? Oh wait, it's me, That's, I'm the mother, stop that, get away from there. It's that's my kid, right? I have a whole different perspective having gone through it now, right? Having stayed up, sleepless nights, you know, going through all the things that a new, the newborn stage brings, the, the toddler stage. You know, now I have a preteen. Y'all pray for me. <laughs> Love you, boo. Um, <laughs> but I get it now, right? I get it. And these Gentiles were like, I get it. I believe in Jesus too. And the Jews are like, no, bro. You don't get it. You don't get it. They had a hard time accepting these new believers because it was too easy for them, right? So, unfortunately, throughout Christianity, people have tried to add to the scriptures um, and make it fit into our mold, right? They're saying Jesus isn't enough. Thank God we know the truth. And that's what sets Christianity apart, really, from other religions. You know, other religions are all about works. You gotta do this, don't do that. Well, in Christianity, Jesus said, I did it. It's done. Amen? And the way we live our life out is a response to his love for us and what he did on the cross, not in order to earn it. This caused so much division among the people that Paul and Barnabas had to go to the leaders of the church. They had to travel and go to Jerusalem and get a ruling. They had to basically go to a council meeting, okay? So we're gonna catch up in verse two. Paul and Barnabas disagreed with them, arguing vehemently. Finally, the church decided to send Paul and Barnabas 
to Jerusalem, accompanied by some local believers to talk to the apostles and elders about this question. Notice that word, finally, finally. Next rule of Fight Club, deal with it. Deal with it. You have to deal with the conflict, right? Well, that's not what we do in my family. We ignore it and have a heart attack and die at 40. Is that somebody's family? It's like you just don't talk about it, right? We pretend it didn't happen. We pretend it wasn't there. We, we avoid it like the plague, you know? Oh, that'll just get better on its own. Just don't say anything about it. Brush it under the carpet. It'll be fine. It's like people who don't want to go to the doctor. It's like, ma'am, you have a head growing out of your arm. You should probably go get that looked at. It's fine. So I'll just put some sunscreen on and it'll be fine. It's talking, ma'am. It's talking to you. You need to go to the doctor. You need to go. Stop it. <laughs> but we just avoid it, right? And then it festers and it grows. Same thing happens in our marriages, in our churches, in any relationship, anywhere where there's people, this can happen. It grows and it grows. In verse two, it says, finally, finally, they realized that if they did not deal with this issue, it was going to cause division. Some of us don't say anything. And then the problem compounds. It gets bigger and bigger. But because we're afraid of saying anything, for whatever reason, it just gets harder. It gets harder to be around that person. It gets more awkward. You build more resentment. And by the time you're forced to deal with it, the problem is so much bigger than it was originally. I, Troy not, Pastor Troy and I always um, get the opportunity to counsel with people, especially like with marriages and stuff. And a lot of times what happens is they come in and there's been a nuclear bomb that's gone off in their house. And they're like, can you fix it? And we're like, uh-uh, I don't think so. You should have came to us before. We could have helped you defuse the bomb that went off, you know? So my message to any of you married couples, if you think that you don't need counseling, now's the time to come. Now, now's the time, now. We talk, we talk a lot about premarital counseling. We need postmarital counseling. Can I get a witness? Like, even if, a lot of people think counseling is just for people who have gone through like, like tragedies and, and, heart, and heartbreak and things like that. It's for everybody. Can I just say that right now? It's for every body. Come now. Come early. Come sooner. Deal with it. Thank you. We're going to be doing premarital counseling with you guys soon. That's why she's clapping. But Paul and Barnabas realized the gravity of this issue and that they, if they didn't deal with it right then and there, that it would affect Christianity for generations. Think about it, you guys. Had they not stood up and said, hold on now, we're not under the law anymore, we would still be having to abide by that law if we wanted to be a proper Christian. Some of you are burying things that need to be dealt with here and now because it has the power to affect your life and the lives of those around you for generations. Deal with it now. Next step in Fight Club, don't involve others. I almost titled that, don't, um, don't tell everybody and they mama, okay? Don't tell everybody and they mama. It's not, it doesn't, if it doesn't involve them, don't involve them. Verse three, the church sent the delegates to Jerusalem and they stopped along the way in Phoenicia and Samaria to visit the believers. They told them, much to everyone's joy, that the Gentiles too were being converted. Okay, on their way to Jerusalem, they stopped in at different churches and what did they do? Did they say, oh, let me tell you what's happening at that church down there. Let me tell you, there's some guys coming in there trying to, trying to tell you you got to be under these rules and regulations and they're trying to mess everything up. Can you believe that? Can you believe that? Did they do that? Did they spill the tea? No. They didn't even mention it. What did they do instead? They encouraged them. 
They didn't talk about the disagreement. Why? Because it didn't involve them. What good would it have done? It would have had a way more negative impact on them. Instead, they brought joy. They took that time to talk about the good things that were happening. They were like, let us tell you about all the people that are getting saved. Can you believe it? Because they were going to handle their business. But in the middle of that, they took time to encourage people on the way. While we're working through conflict, we have to intentionally spread joy because what we want to do is talk about it to other people. Why? Because it makes us feel good. We want people to be on our side. We want them to know how terrible the situation is, right? We want to talk about it. We want to talk it to death. But that's not going to serve you. It's not going to serve the party that you're in conflict with. And it's not going to serve the people that you're, that you're spilling the tea to. So misery loves company, right? We think, well, if I'm mad at them, you should be mad at them too. That does not glorify the Lord. So we're going to spread joy. We're going to throw it around like confetti. Encourage people you have conversations with instead of talking about the conflict that does not involve them. So they're at this council meeting, right? Let's find out what happens. We're gonna read verses five through 11. But then some of the believers who belonged to the sect of the Pharisees stood up and insisted the Gentile converts must be circumcised and required to follow the law of Moses. So the apostles and elders met together to resolve the issue. At the meeting, after a long discussion, Peter stood and addressed them as follows. Brothers, you all know that God chose me from among you some time ago to preach to the Gentiles so that they could hear the good news and believe. God knows people's hearts. And he confirmed that he accepts Gentiles by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. Peter's a Jew, so he's relating to these people. He made no distinction between us and them for he cleansed their hearts through faith. So why are you now challenging God by burdening the Gentile believers with a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors were able to bear? We believe we are all saved the same way by the undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus. I love the way the message version puts the last couple of verses. So why are you now trying to out-God God? Loading these new believers down with rules that crushed our ancestors and crushed us too. Don't we believe that we're saved by the ma- because the master Jesus amazingly and out of sheer generosity moved to save us just as he did those from beyond our nation? So what are we arguing about? What are we arguing about, right? I love that so much. Peter's rebuttal was, why would we expect something of them that we and our ancestors couldn't even uphold? The Old Testament, y'all, is just a story of their failure. So if I was a Jew, I would not be using that as a reference in my defense on why we should keep on with these rules and regulations and laws on how to be saved. That's the whole point of Jesus, right? All right, moving on. The next uh, rule and fight club. Control your anger. Seems kind of counterintuitive since we're talking about Fight Club, but this is how to have healthy conflict, you guys. Healthy being the operative word. Control your anger. You notice in this meeting, in this council meeting, they're not hollering at everybody. They're not, they're not throwing things across the room. There's no voices being raised. They're not screaming. They were calm, and they were presenting facts. Most of us 
wait until we're angry to fight, to argue, right? That's, that's that whole, going back to that whole like, you know, deal with it kind of thing. We just are thinking like, it'll get better. It'll be fine. I'm not gonna talk about it. And then something happens and it's like, all right, now we're gonna talk about it, okay? And we just like take the gloves off and we don't fight fair, right? That's what happens when we fight in our anger. We fight in our anger. It's, it's not gonna resolve the issue. You know what conflict needs? A little bit of rage. That'll make everything better. Just sprinkle some rage on there. That'll make everything good. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27 tells us this though. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. It's okay to be angry. That's what I tell my kids all the time when they get mad. You know, It's okay to be angry. But what you're not going to do is slap your sister when you're angry. Okay, We have to come up with better tools, better resources to express our feelings, okay? And when you're angry, when you're in the middle of that high emotion, that is not the time to resolve the conflict, okay? People, people just made me so mad. I can't help it. I can't control it. Okay, everybody take your hand and just like do like this over your head like that. And then if you have a neighbor sitting next to you, do that. Do you feel anything over their head, over your head? No? No strings or anything? Right, that's because we're not puppets. You are not being controlled. You control your own actions, amen? Okay, we're not puppets. We can have self-control. The Bible says that he's not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and self-control or a sound mind. If you're struggling with self-control, it's time to get in the word and allow scripture to change your heart and your mind. You guys, this takes being intentional. If you are a naturally angry person, if you feel that rising up in you more times than not, it, you have to be intentional. You have to be intentional on changing that pattern. This, God's word, has power. But we, it's like a car. You have to start the car, right? You have to actually get it, get in it, and turn the key. This has power when you choose to meditate and memorize verses. And you'll be reminded of that truth in those moments when that flesh wants to rise up when you want to lay hands on somebody suddenly. <laughs> Control your anger. The next rule of Fight Club is be a good listener. Be a great listener, in fact. I put great, not good, because I think we would all kind of say, yeah, well, yeah I'm a good listener. Be a great listener. There's a difference. In verse 12, listen to the first three words in verse 12. Everyone listened quietly. What a beautiful, beautiful thing. Everyone listened quietly as Barnabas and Paul told about the miraculous signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. The message version says there was dead silence. You could hear a pin drop. Most of us, when we're handling conflict, we're listening to respond not listening to understand. Why is it so important to listen to the other person? Because we already know how we feel. We already know our opinion on the matter, okay? We listen because we don't know how the other person feels, okay? We, we, put, we put thought bubbles over people's heads. Come on, tell me, like, we do it. We, we think we know what's going through their minds, so we put thought bubbles over their head. This happened to me recently. I had had a day you know what I'm saying? Anybody just have a day? Sometimes you're like, it's been a day. 
It's been a day. I need a minute. I need a minute. I needed a minute, guys. So I, I told my husband, like, hey, you're home now. Good luck. And I walked out the door. And I was like, my go-to is Hobby Lobby. <sighs> Just peace. Overflowing peace. Y'all are think I'm nuts, okay? Certify, certifiably. I was in a Hobby Lobby the other day, and all the Christmas stuff was out. I was in my feelings, in my feelings, like tearing up because I love Christmas so much and I just love all the warm and fuzzies that I get. I texted Troy, I was like, why am I crying at Hobby Lobby looking at the Christmas stuff? He's like, I don't know. <laughs> but I was, I was in my feelings. But that's my go-to place. I go to Hobby Lobby when I need a minute, okay? So I'm not gone for like 30 minutes and I get a text from my sweet husband. He's like, what time are you gonna be home? Y'all? I did not, <laughs> I did not, I was not in the scripture at the moment, okay? So I did not respond the way, I did not respond the way I'm supposed to. I did not text him back. I called him back. What do you mean? What time am I coming home? Can you not be home for 30 minutes with these children that I've been home with all day long? I felt like dumb and dumber. <laughs> like we got no food, we got no money, our pets' heads are falling off. Like, I was there. I was there. I was like, I cannot believe you are asking me what time I'm going to be home. I just need five seconds. And I just went off the deep end. And when I was done, he said, I was just going to see if you could pick up some milk on the way home. Okay. Need anything else? I felt so bad, right? I just assumed I knew what he was calling me about, that he was in a way with the children, and I was not having it. So I put a thought bubble on his head, and that's what I get for doing that. <laughs> I wasn't being a good listener. I was assuming I knew what he was thinking. So you guys, we have to practice listening. There's actually four different types of listening. There's appreciative listening, comprehensive listening, critical listening, and empathic listening. Did you know it was so involved? There's a lot of listening. Appreciative listening is the type of listening that we do when like we're listening to music or like a motivational speaker or even a comedian. It's fun, right? You're appreciating, you're in the, you're in the, in the moment, it's good, appreciating. Comprehensive listening, like classroom listening. You're paying attention, you're listening to news, you're listening to a lecture, you're like really paying attention, that's comprehensive listening. Critical listening, this is typically what we do when we think we're being a good listener. We're listening to evaluate the content of the message to decide for ourselves if the information is valid. That's why we're listening. That's critical listening. Here's what we should be doing. Empathic listening. Listen, when you listen empathically, you are doing so to show mutual concern. You're stepping into the other's shoes to get a better understanding of what it is that they're talking about. Usually during this type of listening, you wanna be fully present in the moment, mindfully listening to what the other person is saying. Uh-huh, yeah, mm-hmm, got it. Yep, for sure, not that. Empathic listening. When you're listening empathically, you are really paying attention. Your goal during this time is to focus on the speaker, eye contact, not on yourself. Ask, I want you guys to do this. Ask your spouse, sometime today later, ask your spouse or your best friend if you're a good listener and then listen to them, okay? Because your spouse or your best friend, they gonna tell you the truth. 
okay? Are, am, I, am I a good listener? That's a great question. That's vulnerable. Don't ask him right now. I don't want any fights breaking out. We're, we're still learning about Fight Club, guys. Don't ask right now. Hold it. But empathically listening to somebody is so different than the other types of listening. Again, we listen to respond. Like if, I'm just telling you right now, I wanna be right when I fight, okay? And I'm gonna make sure I have everything in, in, in my mind in order to be right. But that's not the goal, right? If your goal is to be right, you've already lost. You've already lost. Like that's not gonna solve the conflict at all. It's just gonna make it worse. So you have to be a great listener. Next rule of Fight Club, invite wise counsel. Invite wise counsel. Listen in verses 13 through 18. He said, when, when they had finished, James stood up. Now I want you to realize this is James, not, the, not James the disciple. This is James the half-brother of Jesus talking, okay? I say half-brother because obviously they had the same mom um, as Jesus, but we know that Jesus was um, immaculately, immaculately conceptive with the Holy Spirit. So that's why I say half-brother. Okay. My thing keeps scrolling down, you guys. It's got a mind of its own. Okay, so we're catching up to them. James stands up. And he says, brothers, listen to me. Peter has told you about the time God first visited the Gentiles to take from them a people for himself. And this conversion of Gentiles is exactly what the prophets predicted. As it is written, afterward, I will return and restore the fallen house of David. I will rebuild its ruins and restore it so that the rest of humanity might seek the Lord, including the Gentiles. All those I have called to be mine, the Lord has spoken. He who made these things known so long ago. What James did here in handling conflict is something that we all need to get in the habit of doing every single time a conflict arises. He brings it back to God's word. He says, look what God said before. What's happening is exactly what he said would happen. Opinions and, fa and facts are important, you guys. Don't get me wrong. That matters, you have to talk about it. But the word is what stabilizes and authorizes our belief system. It's not like, I, I, oh yeah, I believe that because I wanna believe it. No, it says it in the word. So when you're handling a conflict, we have to keep in mind, who are you going to? Who are you talking to about your conflict? Do you, do you talk to somebody just because you know they're gonna agree with you? Right, do you go to your best friend because you know, it doesn't matter how crazy you sound, she's gonna agree with you? Right, do you go to your mom or dad because you know they're gonna be on your side? We have to invite wise counsel. We have to invite, James, he's a no-nonsense kind of guy, okay? He's gonna give it to you like, like it's straight. He's gonna shoot you straight. We have to have people like that in our lives, okay? So invite wise counsel into your life. In the next verse, um, James seems to talk out of both sides of his mouth. Okay, listen to this, watch this in verse 19. And so my judgment is that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are, returning, who are turning to God, okay? Super, that sounds awesome. Like he's like, cool, everybody's welcome. Jesus is the only way, that's all we need to do, right? Let's not make it difficult for them. And so at first you're like, cool, that's, that's awesome. And then in verse 20 he says, instead we should write and tell them to abstain from eating food offered to idols, from sexual immorality, from eating meat of the strangled animals, and from consuming blood. And you're like, uh, hold on a second. You're kind of contradicting yourself there. We don't need the law to be saved, but now you're giving us all these laws? Hold on, I'm confused. 
Okay, like I said, James is no nonsense, right? If you read the book of James, he sounds different. He sounds different than the other gospels, than, than Paul. He sounds different. And that's because he has a different story, okay? James is not gonna let you grace yourself out of obedience, okay? He's not gonna do that. His whole message is, if you don't live it, you don't believe it. But the point that he's trying to make here, he goes on to verse 20 and says, for these laws of Moses have been preached in Jewish synagogues in every city on every Sabbath for many generations. The point James is making here is that while it's not required to do these things, Jesus is enough, let's allow them to keep doing them anyway to show honor and respect to the Jewish culture and traditions. In other words, let's compromise for the greater good. Wow, what a concept. Y'all say that with me, compromise. Ooh, mm -mm. that felt, that tasted like vinegar coming off some of y'all's mouth. Say it louder, compromise. We have to compromise if we're going to have healthy conflict. You're not always gonna get your way every single time. Have you ever been out of the country, like maybe in a different culture or maybe even just visiting somebody's house like, and they just do things differently, they have a different culture, they have a different background? Um, so you're just gonna like have to follow suit and do things their way. So we, we um, went on a mission trip to Jamaica and we had to wear long skirts because the church that we were going to minister at had those kinds of rules and regulations. So we wore long skirts, the men had to wear button up shirts, long sleeve shirts. I mean, it was, you know, it was hot, it's hot in Jamaica, okay? It was not comfortable. We did not love having to do that. When they put food in front of you, it was, it was very offensive if you did not eat the food. Thank God it was pre-vegan for me. So I ate some goat, y'all. So that, but that was the culture there. You, you did, you followed their customs and traditions. Why? Because we didn't want to offend them. We're there to minister. We're there to tell them Jesus loves them. So why would we come in saying like, um, we're from America, we don't do that, so sorry. But Jesus loves you, get saved. Like that wouldn't have worked, right? And so that's the point that James is making here. We're not under the law, that's not our custom, but why do we do it? Because we want everybody to have the chance at salvation, right? First Corinthians 8.13, Paul says, so if what I eat causes another believer to sin, I'll never eat meat again as long as I live. For I don't wanna cause another believer to stumble. We get so caught up in the way we wanna do things that we forget what is our main goal. Isn't it to show others the love of God? And so sometimes we have to set our preferences aside for the greater good. When James is doing, what James is doing here, yes, he's given them, it seems like a bunch of rules and regulations, but what he's really doing is he's giving them the law of love. He's showing them, this is how you're gonna love these people to Jesus. We know that it's not required, but we're gonna honor and respect their traditions. Something incredible happens when we sacrifice our preferences for the greater good, and it's unity. How many of you would agree that we need more unity today than ever before? James is covering all the bases. Yes, Jesus is the only way. Yes, believing in Jesus is enough, but we want everyone 
everyone to be open to the gospel. So let's not get hung up on things that don't matter. Let them keep doing the things that they wanna do. If it helps people come to salvation, let's continue with those cultural norms as not to offend them. He was giving them the law of love. He doesn't want anyone to miss it, you guys, because the part of James's story that's so cool is that he almost did. James almost missed it. We know James now as this awesome church leader, right? Like he was wise. You know, they brought him to that council because they knew he would have something really awesome to say and he was gonna be in their corner. James was so wise. But did you know that he was actually one of Jesus' worst critics? He grew up with Jesus, right? He was his brother, he was his half-brother. He grew up with Jesus. He was one of his worst critics. It says in John 7, I didn't put this on the screen, but I'm just gonna read it to you. And Jesus' brother said to him, leave here and go to Judea where your followers can see your miracles. You can't become famous if you hide like this. If you can do such wonderful things, show yourself to the world. For even his brothers didn't believe in him. How many of you know that family hurt is the worst hurt? It just hits different, right? When it's your family. There's another passage in Mark chapter three. It says, then Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him. They stood outside and sent word for him to come out and talk with them. There was a crowd sitting around Jesus and someone said, your mother and brothers are outside asking for you. And Jesus said, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Then he looked around him and looked at those around him and said, look, these are my mother and brothers. Anyone who does God's will is my brother and my sister and my mother. Jesus was redefining family in that moment. When we moved here from Memphis, a little over four years ago, we were leaving family. And y'all, with small children, that's hard. Okay, free babysitters, hello. We were leaving that behind. But it was hard, it was hard. We were leaving family. And we moved here because we knew God was calling us. But you know what we moved with? Friends that are just like family. And we've gotten to know all of you who are like our family now. I can't tell you how many times we've sat across the table from families, from friends, from people, and just feel like, I, I, you are my family. Like, when you, when you walk through something with somebody, you create a bond that's thicker than blood. How many of you have friends like that? You would say, that's my family right there. That is my family. Yeah, Jesus is telling us that. Like, he's, re, he's rewriting what, what it means to be family. And so you guys... I want you to understand why this was such a big deal to James, okay? This was a big deal because James was a mocker of Jesus. So how do you think it felt after he died on the cross? We're not given much pen in scripture on this. Here's the first time we hear about Jesus appearing to James after he's died and resurrected. 1 Corinthians 15. It says he was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day. Just as the scripture said, he was seen by Peter and then by the 12. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers and at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. This is where we see James's faith walk begin because up until then, he has not believed. 
okay? It's believed that Jesus appeared to the people who needed it most. Okay, so look at this list really quickly, like Mary. This is Mary Magdalene, the, the woman that he set free from demons, okay? Like, she needed some Jesus. She walked so closely with him so we can understand why she would, he would appear to Mary. He appeared to Peter. Peter's the denier, okay? He failed, he blew it big time. He blew it big time. So for him to appear to, to Peter was such a restoration moment for him in his life. Same thing with Paul. You know, Paul was a persecutor, hardcore persecutor of Christians. So it makes sense that Jesus would appear to Paul. Of course, to his apostles and all these different followers, but he names these people. Scripture names these people specifically. And then he was seen by James. But we don't have a lot of backstory other than the fact that James was a skeptic. And I think because James was Jesus' brother, because that was family hurt, he needed to appear to his brother. And we're not given that moment, okay? As a woman, I'm like, give me the juicy details. I want to know where he was, what he was doing, what happened, what did his face look like, what did his voice sound like? So I can only use my sanctified imagination. And I'm thinking like, Jesus has died. Like, what is he feeling at that moment? Has he, is he already regretting, not believing? Does he think that Jesus is gonna resurrect? I don't know. So maybe he's at home, maybe he's doing chores or something, and then all of a sudden, he hears this familiar voice of his brother, Jesus. Hey, James, can you imagine what that must have felt like? What did he do? Did he run and fall down before his knees and ask for forgiveness for not believing? What did, did he, was he so excited? Did he just hug his brother and so thankful that he's alive? I don't know. But what we do know now from scripture, because James speaks the way he speaks, is that he did not want anybody else to miss it because he almost did compromise for the greater good. Listen to what James says in his chapter, very last verse, very last verse of James. My dear brothers and sisters, if someone among you wanders away from the truth and is brought back, you can be sure that whoever brings the sinner back from wandering will save that person from death and bring about the forgiveness of many sins. I think James ended that chapter that way because he was the one that was brought back. This is why it's so important for him, for his voice to be heard. Like, listen, yes. Jesus is the only way. We know that. We know that. The old law is gone. We don't have to do those things anymore. But we don't want anybody to miss it. We're not going to get caught up in this stuff that doesn't matter. Because what matters is Jesus. Church, we are getting caught up today in things that don't matter. We're over here talking about all the stuff that's going on right now when we should be talking about Jesus. We should be talking about our restoration story. That's what we should be talking about. That's the only way anybody is gonna be saved is if we're talking about what really matters and not getting caught up in everything else that the world 
wants us. Don't you know that the devil is so happy right now with all the division, all the conflict that is going on in our world? You cannot, you cannot get on social media or turn on the news or turn on anything without hearing about COVID. And literally, there's a great divide in people right now. Here's the thing. We don't have to agree. We don't have to. We can disagree and love Jesus. Amen? Let's do more of that. Let's take a note from James and say, talk about what really matters. Because I don't know about you, but I don't want anybody to miss it. I don't want anybody to miss out on the love of God and the plan and the purpose that he has for their life. It's really ironic how this chapter ends, you guys. We're gonna hop down to verse 36. This is nuts. I love this, that the, that includes this though. It's just people going people, okay? We're human. After some time, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit each city where we previously preached the word of the Lord to see how the new believers are doing. Barnabas agreed and wanted to take along John Mark. But Paul disagreed strongly since John Mark had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in their work. Their disagreement was so sharp that they separated. Y'all, they just, like, they just fought so hard for this big deal of salvation and now they're getting caught up in this little disagreement. They're like, uh-uh, I don't like John Mark. He can go on somewhere. And they split Paul and Barnabas, the dynamic duo. They split ways over this tiny thing. Barnabas took John Mark with him and sailed for Cyprus. Paul chose Silas, and as he left, the believers entrusted him to the Lord's gracious care. Then he traveled throughout Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches there. I love that it ends like this, though, because at the end of the day, we're still gonna have conflict. Even with victories like this, we're still gonna have conflict. So expect it. But take a note from them. Last rule of Fight Club, move on. Move on. They disagreed. They didn't agree on who to take with them. What did they do? They moved on. They traveled throughout Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches there. It's not the end of the world. It's not the end of the world. If we expect it, we deal with it, and then we move on. After you've done everything in your power to resolve the conflict, whether it's resolved for the better or not, move on. Not all of us are gonna agree on everything all the time, but we have to decree and declare that that's okay. God reserves the right to use people who disagree with you. God reserves the right to use people that disagree with me. And as long as we agree on the pillars of our faith, there are so many things in between that are irrelevant. So I just wanna challenge you. I have a feeling that there may be a situation that has come up in your mind as we're talking about conflict, right? If you've let preferences divide you, compromise for the greater good, that's gonna lead to unity, you guys. Let's keep the main thing the main thing. So as the worship team comes up in just a minute, I wanna make sure that we don't keep burying the things that need to be dealt with, okay? If you have a head growing off of your arm, go to the doctor. 
okay? If you have a conflict that needs to be dealt with, let's deal with it. We, we're given in scripture the, way, the right way to do it. Invite wise counsel. Don't run their name through the mud. Don't talk to everybody about it, but let's deal with it together. And you guys, that's what the church family is for. We're here to help. We're here to help you. Don't let it fester. We're here to help, okay? God, we love you so much. And we thank you, Father, for your word. We thank you, God, that it is a light that sheds light on, on our path, God, that we can go to it for wisdom, Lord, when we just don't know what to do and we're frustrated, we're tired. God, we need a word from you, Father. I thank you for your scriptures, Lord, that give us that. Lord, I'm so, so thankful, Jesus, that we have your word. It's so good. And Lord, I just pray for people right now in this moment, Lord, who are struggling and maybe have a conflict, Father, that has just gotten out of hand, just gotten out of control. And Father, right now, I just pray that your spirit will minister to them, Jesus. Whatever it is, Lord, whatever it is, God, you want to see restoration. You wanna see restoration, God, because you are a God who restores. But Father, I pray that at the end of the day, if it can't be restored, Lord, that you will set that person free from the burden to carry it. And Lord, help us to move on so that we can continue doing your will and sharing your love and spreading the gospel because that's why we're here on this earth. Lord, to bring you glory. Everything you do, Father, is for your glory and our good. And I pray that we will step into that today, Jesus. Lord, help us to deal with the things that need to be dealt with in our heart. And help us to deal with it your way, not our own way, God. We die to ourselves. We die to our flesh. And we step into the Spirit. Lead us, God. Guide us. Teach us. In your holy name we pray.